The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders. Going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. What's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat, picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket, outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. tell you all one of my dreams in my life has come true I got to go see Jeff Lewis in person at the Irvine Improv Uh, if you've listened to my podcast you know that I live for Jeff Lewis live I listen to it every five days a week Monday through Friday I laugh for that hour he got me through so much in the past two years, just from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Sirius Radio. I'm going to plug it. And I would go on these walks and I was just in such a dark place. And just to laugh at his absurd, funny stories. He's so self-deprecating. He's so funny. So I asked my friend, because she lives in Newport, My friend Caroline Nadine Helsing, shout out Caroline, plug for your book, Unapologetic Tales from the Original Party Crasher. 
Um, I made her come with me and she does not listen to Jeff Lewis. She knew who he was from flipping out and a designer and everything. She had met him before, I think at a party, but she didn't, I don't think she understood what she got herself into when I actually went, entered the show. So everybody that listens to his, uh, his serious radio show, they're like super fans and people are crazy. Like they love him. They live for him. They live for all the chumps, all the people that come on the show. And I walk in and it's like a room full of people that are my best friends. I met, uh, I met some new friends just sitting at our table. And, um, what I'll say is I, I, I had VIP tickets. Yes. I paid for them. And I did the meet and greet afterwards. Caroline was such a trooper and I've met a lot of celebrities throughout my life, just living in Hollywood for 20 plus years. <clears throat> They're usually always kind of a letdown when you meet them in person. And I hate to say that because we're all people. I'm sure there's really good ones and there's bad ones. But I think when you constantly have people telling you, oh, you're great. Oh, you're wonderful. Oh, you're this. Oh, you're that. It's kind of hard to be humble. And it's also probably pretty weird to have people just that don't even know you think that they know you. But I'm going to tell you, my deep, passionate love for him has grown even deeper because he could not have been cooler and nicer in person. He knew who I was because I had actually set him up with my friend, Evan Longstory, over the radio, um, messaging him. And they didn't actually work out, but they did kind of go out on a date over COVID, a Zoom date. And, um, I, I just have to tell you that my flame and my passionate love for Jeff lives on. Thank you, Jeff, for making me laugh those five days a week. You got me through some pretty hard times and I am going to start the show. And before I start the show, I usually, I usually bring a guest into my interview and I'm, I'm going to be transparent and honest with you guys or you all today that I, I'm doing this after I recorded the initial episode because I didn't really love the story I told in the beginning. And sometimes, you know, I edit and I do stuff and I always want to be transparent. So what I will tell you about this episode is Kelsey is an incredible woman. And the fact that she has gone on through the most traumatic of experiences, like losing her husband so tragically the way that she did. And I learned so much from this episode. I learned so much from her. She's kind, she's real, she's authentic. We need more people like this in the world. And I have, I, I love her book. I ordered it. It's called Second Half. I hope, I pray, I'm going to tell you all, I hope genuinely that you read this book because it's very, very good. a lot about how much therapy saved my life and how lucky I am to have my amazing therapist, Dr. Nay. But not everybody can get an appointment with Dr. Nay. And I really wanted to break the stigma on getting help or asking for help. So that is why I partnered with a company called online-therapy.com. They have plans that start around $30 a week and you can get weekly therapy sessions for less than $50 a week. You can also get my 20% off code by going to my website, judgingmegan.com, and you go to the therapy tab. And if you click on the link at the bottom, 
you can get 20% off your first month. My guest today is Kelsey Chittick. Hi, Kelsey. Hi. How are it's, you? I'm good. It's so nice to meet you. Um, I, I am. A, we're we have a mutual friend, Malia, who introduced us, and um, you're kind enough to come on my podcast. So I'm so grateful. And I think my listeners are going to be really, really inspired by you. I know I'm inspired by you, just like knowing your story. And, um, and so I'm just going to start with your story. I know that you, um, well, people have heard of your husband cause he's a Super Bowl champion, but I kind of want to get your backstory where you grew up. I know you were a college swimmer. Do you want to kind of touch on that sure. and give me your history? Sure. Um, I grew up in a little town outside of Orlando called Winter Park, Florida, quintessentially beautiful little town, lots of lakes. It's gorgeous. Gorgeous, yeah. as opposed Rollins, Rollins, Rollins College. College yes, yeah. Or- Orlando, on the other hand, dicey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up with a lot of love and a lot of resources. I had very, um, very spiritual parents. So there was, even though I was in the South, we we you could be whatever religion you wanted in our house. You could be Buddhist, you could be Christian, you could be Jewish, you could choose. So we a very open minded family. Um, I had a good life. My parents divorced at 15. My dad has a slight drinking problem. So at least I'm not, it wasn't too perfect, but you know, it was just, it was a functioning alcoholic, which are the best kind if you're going to have to have one. And yeah. I went on to, I went on to, I swam. And then in 1994, they passed Title IX. So I was like the first class of women that got to get a scholarship to go to school. So I ended up um, gratefully at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, which is an awesome school. And there I met, a big, large, 300-pound white guy from Allentown, Pennsylvania, who dipped and drove a beat-up Taurus, which was very different from my life. Um, And I fell in love with him. He was on the football team. I was on the swim team. We did not look like we were a very cute couple. And if you see pictures from us, you'd be like, thank God each of you found one another. Um, And we met, I was 19, he was 21. And I kind of will sum it up. We spent the next 21 years just building a life. We ended up, he played football for about six years, won a Super Bowl in 1999. We, in between teams at some point, we had a friend who went to Carolina who lived in Manhattan Beach and we didn't have anywhere to go. We were living in Kansas City. And so we came out to this little town called Manhattan Beach and we were here for about two weeks and we decided, well, shit, we're just going to flip a coin and either go back to North Carolina or stay in California because there was a country song that said, Heads Carolina, Tails California. So we decided oh. to put our whole life based on a country song and he hates country. So that was weird. But um, we flipped and we said, well, we'll stay in California for a year. I got a job at Johnson & Johnson doing pharmaceutical sales, which is basically being a hooker, but not really. <laughs> um, so it was funny. a great job. And he went and played a couple more years. Then we got pregnant and moved to El Segundo, California, which is a like living in Iowa inside of Los Angeles. It's like the Midwest. Yeah. But, but El Segundo, like to stop you there, mm-hmm. um, you we're probably, we're, you live in the bubble. I've taught my listeners know I've talked about where I live yeah. in Los Angeles. El, El Segundo is like right up the street. It's all, it's, it's the, bubble of the bubble. Yeah. It's like this whole area. It's a little bit separated though from Manhattan it's di- Beach. way different than Manhattan Beach. It's, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. Mayberry with some environmental issues that are very, exactly very Bad. prominent. 
Very yeah. good people, though. Not a lot of drama in El Segundo. Um, not a lot of competition. Not mm-hmm. a lot of like, you can wear your pajamas. There's not a lot of Lululemon in El Segundo. Let me put it that way. So we're close to Manhattan Beach, but very different. Um, very working, built on the backs of working class people. So it feels for Nate, who was from Philadelphia and grew up very poor, Allentown felt like home. Everyone helps yeah. each other. They still eat casseroles. Um, it's not LA. But um, so we moved here and then we had a great life. We had two kids, well, a boy let, and a girl. Let me stop you oh, real yeah. quick. So Please. you were in in North Carolina, correct? What mm-hmm. t- he played for um what team? So after he he got drafted to the Giants, New York Giants, then he went to yeah. the Colts, then he won a Super Bowl with the Rams, and he went to the Chiefs, the 49ers, and the Cardinals. I mean, that alone, like is a is is probably being a being a mother, were you a mother when he was playing still? No. no. Okay. So when he retired, really- yep. He retired and we, that's when we got pregnant. So I was in college for two of the years that he played. And then we were the other years we were either out here and I was working. Um, but by the time I was 25, he was done and then we got pregnant. Okay. So I love your story. Uh, my listeners know that my parents met very young, like back then parents met young and got married young, but I I'm always inspired by people these days that meet their partners really young and stay together. And, you know, marriage and relationships are not always easy. And, um, it's very inspiring when you hear about people that meet each other in college and stay together and are happy. But, um, you know, we're going to kind of go into the dark stuff that is the reason you wrote your book, Second Half. Uh, my audience knows that my own mother lost my dad at 43, and I was 12 going on 13 when he passed away. And my story is a little bit different than yours because my dad died of leukemia and he suffered for nine months and went through three rounds of chemotherapy. And we, were prepared, you know, by Mm -hmm. the end that we knew it was coming. Whereas I want you to tell your story, which is, sounds like the most devastating, horrible thing that somebody can go through. Um, And just, you're very inspiring to me. I'll say that because for you to fight and stay here, and I know you're a mother and you don't really have a choice because you are a mother, but I wanted you to tell the story of what happened. Yeah. So, um, we were kind of in the middle of our lives. Everything was good, but I did have some anxiety about two years before my husband died. I could pick up on something. Something was off, but I didn't know what, but I had these like alarms going off. And I think a lot of us at this age with kids and marriage and money and you have anxiety, but this was different. This was like, pay attention. Um, I couldn't put my finger on it. What, what it was about Nate that was different. I couldn't figure it out because we were having financial issues or what, mm-hmm. but about two years before he died, I kind of started on this spiritual journey of reading books and just really starting a meditation practice and getting committed to looking at like my triggers and all of that kind of came to head. Um, in November of 2017, I went to New York for a birthday party with my best friend and I had this huge panic attack because I was going to go on this trip to Jamaica a month later, this like spiritual retreat based on this book that I read in this group. And that's a whole nother story, but it's in the book. Um, 
And I had this panic attack and I just didn't want to leave home. I was like, something bad's going to happen. But what mother doesn't think that every time she travels? And I traveled yeah. to the East Coast because I worked in North Carolina for seven years before that. But I had this sense like, oh shit, something's coming. Um, and I remember I told Nate, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, I can't go on that trip. He's like, listen, you have to go. Like, you got to figure out how you can live with joy and purpose and not be afraid and everything's going to be fine and you have to go and you need to come back changed. So on November 11th, I mean, November 8th, um, Nate drove me to the airport and we had this beautiful kind of conversation on the way to the, to the airport. Actually, I was checking on my phone because I was meeting girlfriends and I remember he said, can you put your phone down? Can you just put your phone down? And I remember I was normally would like defend it. And I was like, oh gosh, yeah, I'm sorry. And we kind of held hands and we drove to the airport and he just was like, I love you so much. I've loved you since the day I met you. You're the best woman I've ever met. I want you to go to this retreat and have the time of your life. Don't worry about us. Everybody's fine. Um, Just go have fun. And he was the king of fun. And he was the king of presence. And he just lived every moment like it was the damn best moment. Just an exceptional human being and a lot of effing work. Like, I don't want to martyr dead people because I'm afraid. I need everyone to know, like, I wanted to kill him too. Like, this wasn't some fairy tale thing. He drove me insane, and he was the greatest freaking guy I've ever met. Um, so I go on this retreat, and I just kind of took what he said, and I lived in the moment. There was these great speakers, Wim Hof, Stephen Cutler, just great authors. And I, I smoked weed, and I, I danced in the mud, and I was like, oh, this is what life is about. I've been so uptight my whole life, just driven, uptight woman. And then the last day, I got a phone call from this number I didn't know, and I hadn't had my phone, and I was like, well, I'm not going to answer this. Like, I'm in the middle of the time of my life. I didn't pick up. And then a couple of calls later, my best friend called and she left a text and said, Hey, call us. No, no worries. Just give me a call. And then my husband's best friend, who's married to my best friend to get it all complicated. Um, he wrote like, call us ASAP. And so it turns out my husband had that morning taken the kids to sky zone trampoline park. If anyone's ever been there, it's the most ridiculous place you'll ever go. There's no reason on God's green earth. My husband would wake up because he slept all late on the weekends. And he took my nine and 12 year old down to Torrance to jump with him, which is unheard of. They've never done that before. And they began to jump. And then at some point, um, my daughter said, she, she said, daddy, look at me. And he said, oh, you're the most amazing girl. Like you're so beautiful and talented. And she said she was just jumping for him. And then he said, sweetie, I, I got to take a break. Um, I got to take a minute. And then he just had a heart attack in front of her. And the kids obviously didn't know what it was happening. Long story short, at the time I'm in Jamaica and my girlfriend has called and she doesn't know what's happening. She calls and says, um, you're, you know, Nate fell at Sky Zone. I'm sure he's dehydrated. He probably drank too much last night or something. Um, your mom's on the way to the hospital. We're going to get the kids. You go ahead and have fun. But in that moment, I knew he was gone. I was like, he's dead. And she's like, who's dead? I'm like, Nate's dead. Because my body already knew for years that this was coming. Um, so I end up kind of rushing to get to the airport. There's only one flight, one seat left to, to the United States. And on the ride, my mom calls from UCLA and she said, I'm, honey, you have to speak to the doctor. And he just said, I'm so sorry. We tried everything. Um, we did CPR for 15 minutes, but your husband didn't make it. And he died on 11-11 at 11 which I believe is the biggest spiritual nod to me it is. from him. Yeah. He also died with orange sticky socks on from 
Sky Zone, which I believe is also a nod from him that I can make fun of it as much as I need to, to get through the hard parts. <laughs> I just, I mean, first of all, like, I'm, thank you for telling, sharing that. I know how that feels to share a story like that. Cause I've gone through some really difficult things like that. Um, my best friend, when she passed away, it had to be on an airplane and go fly back east it's to have, the worst. take her off of life support <laughs> to go to a hospital. And I remember that feeling on an airplane, you have no control. You're just like, oh my Insane. God, I have to go. Like I'm going to a place and they're gone, right? Yeah. It's the worst. It, that, the flight's the worst. The flight alone. The f- yeah. And that chapter in the book is probably the one that most people talk to me about. Yeah. But I had an angel on that plane amazing person that showed up this beautiful Jamaican woman I was having a panic attack throwing up in the little in the yeah. little white baggie shaking I was I couldn't tell if I was hot or cold but I knew I was going effing insane and this after the seatbelt light came off nobody talked to me I wouldn't have talked to me in all honesty old me would not have talked to me new me would have talked to me mm-hmm. um she came up and the seatbelt light went off and this beautiful gorgeous African-American Jamaican woman in this like colorful dress. She put her hand on my shoulder and my hand on my forehead. And she said, baby girl, I don't know what you're going through or what awaits you on the other side of this plane, but I want you to know that I'm praying for you. Hundreds of people are praying for you and God is with you. And then she said, baby girl, slow your breathing down. I need you to take a minute and think about who you want to be when you land. And I want you to know that you're stronger than you think. And then she left. And I swear to God, that changed my whole life. Because I was like, oh, shit, I can't bring my husband back, but I sure as hell can show up for my kids and be sure that how I start this journey is the way that empowers them and gives them courage and hope. And so I spent the next nine hours on that plane deciding that I would be here today and my kids would be okay and we were going to make it. I didn't know how, but I was determined to not have them lose me also. I talk a lot about on the podcast about spirituality and signs and angels and, mm. um, and I mean, that a hundred percent was an angel, I'm sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, um, I, I just like, I can put myself in your shoes of being on that airplane and the hopelessness and the stress, but then also knowing I have to get there and, be a first and foremost, the parent, like, thankfully you had those kids and you had that reason, your purpose in life, right. To be a mother. But what I find so beautiful about your story, because to me, I, I think of, I think of death as, um, like they're still with us. Right. hundred percent. I don't do this alone. Yeah. Like I have so many signs and I talk about it a lot on the podcast. And I kind of told you before we recorded like that I, um, was, you know, I was at my lowest of lows like a couple of years ago and I didn't want to go on and I picked myself up like you and I made myself go on. And so when I go on my long walks every day, yes, walks I, are important. Yeah, I see butterflies. And, oh, of course. Yeah, and so butterflies are my sign that I know that my very best friend Julie is with me. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think it's so important that we we do have these angels. There's so much shit going on in our world right now, and so many like negative bad people, and <laughs> yet there's so many 
there's so there are signs and there are so many good people and there's mm-hmm. people like you that are putting out your story and sharing like and spiritual and what i find also on a side note so amazing and i get emotional i'm so embarrassed every podcast i pretty much cry all um, I do is cry. I cry yeah. and laugh. That's the two things I spend half, Me too. I, I, half and half. And I'm, I'm I, unabashedly about both of them. Yeah. 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 I mean, but I, that's what life's about to me is, you know, like, uh, like your purpose and like mm-hmm. being happy and making other people happy. I know you're a comedian and you like to make people laugh, but I was going to say, I believe that you say, you knew he was going and, and, um, and he knew he was going Mm -hmm. because why would he have said what he said and how fortunate you are that you had that conversation because you can hold on to it for the rest of your life. And that's such a special, special gift. I, 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 I don't know if I heard this in a Buddhist practice Mm -hmm. or some spiritual retreat I was on or God knows what, because I've done everything. Um, but they say that the soul begins to leave days, weeks, and months before it goes. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Just like there's a transition when a baby's in your belly for nine months, it's preparing to come in. I love the idea that sudden death isn't sudden because there's everybody I know that's had sudden death is like, but this happened and this happened. And I had this feeling and they were, you know, you can, if you're in touch, you can pretty much pick up on a lot of things. Um, There was just so many things that, that cue you internally that you don't really know what, but you're aware of it. Um, So I always talk about for women, especially like your intuition, we have this powerful gift that we don't, we, we use our heads all the time and we're thinking and mm-hmm. we're trying to think it through and our brains are not safe places. We should never use our brains to make decisions. Have you oh seen where God. it gets us? It's not no. healthy. So I spend a lot of time in meditation and people say, why? And I said, because that's, I can get the answers when I'm quiet and I turn this thing off. Cause this thing is, this thing is a hot mess. You don't Sister, want to. I hear you. you. This you thing makes be, up you shit. You should be. You should be in this thing called it's my dark. brain. It's not uh, a good place. Two a.m. and and five a.m. Those Awful. are when my brain, like, I'm like, what is that Disney movie with fear and anger? Oh, the and, the, the like emoji movie or something. I forget what it is, but my kids loved it. And I'm always like, God, if that was my brain, I would be like, that would not be a Disney movie. It'd be like a horror movie. (laughs) Yeah. I say, say sometimes, and I say this in the book, like when the sun goes down, the pain comes up. So when it's dark, literally and figuratively, Mm -hmm. um, the brain, especially middle-aged women, the nights can get really dicey. Um, and so I, spend a lot of time trying to, you know, training myself out of those moments or having grace in them and being like, this is just, this is just a muscle doing its thing. It has nothing to do with reality, nothing. Um, and that really helps me just like if I had a twitch in my calf, like the brain's just doing what it does. And I'm like, I don't know where you're going right now, but I am not paying attention to this. Like, yeah, I talk about this every podcast being a widow at such a young age. So let's mm -hmm. go into like, once you got to the hospital, was he still in the hospital or by the time you got home, what happened? Well, so I got home around midnight that night and I went to my best friend's house and they had the kids and I had that, the conversation you don't want to have. Um, that one gets me always that, that Mm -hmm. will make me cry. Um, but I was really determined to kind of create the narrative from the start. So I told them, you know, that, um, he would have never left us if we weren't going to be okay. Just wasn't his style. 
I told them that I was enough, that I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was going to figure it out. And they just should go ahead, be nine and 12 and not worry about it. Um, and then I said that they were the lucky ones because they had the best dad. Like some people don't have a dad like that for a day. Um, I sure, sure didn't. And so they had a, the, the, literally one of the greatest human beings for nine and 12 years. And he prepared them. I mean, they don't for a second not know what their father would say about everything because he spent most of his life just listening and talking to them about life. And then for the next two years, we just lost our shit. Yeah, we did. We, we were so sad. I mean, it was, it was, I never had been really unhappy or depressed or overwhelmed, but boy, did it kick my ass year two, especially. I was like, what just happened? Um, I didn't even know life without him. I didn't even know how to function. He was, he wasn't just my husband. He was my best friend. He was my, he was like my father figure. He was all the things. Um, but we just stayed in it. We stayed in the misery for a really long time. And I think people see me now, I'm almost four years out. And I remember my mother-in-law saying it was, it's, it's one year for every five years you're together, which I don't know if she made that up or not, but of course, you know, sometimes you hear things and you're, so it, it, I was with him with 21 years. So I feel like I'm coming out of it. And the book helps because I feel like he and I are back together and we're like doing this thing together. And it's the, the response has been mind blowing. And all he ever wanted to do was talk to people about love and faith. And so we're doing it. He's just in a different realm right now. And I'm here. And, um, it's just, I don't know. It feels surreal and exceptional and something that I, I knew it couldn't, I knew as bad, as bad as it was the last four years and then COVID. And then I've had some other issues. I knew that it had to flip because I know everything changes. And so it feels really good to be here today Mm -hmm. um, because I know how bad it was for so long. And so I just tell people like, however low you go, I swear to God, you'll be that high if you can just hang in there. So peaks and valleys. Yeah, so we just we work talks about that a lot. Yeah, and I'll I'll say something to you too. Um, my so when when uh, I was a similar age to your child, so 12, um, I remember that first year, like you said, that rings with me because everybody's it's almost like people don't want you out of their sight, friends Mm -hmm. are bringing you like frozen dinners and, you know, the meal trains and yeah, the meal trains will get you the meal trains. And I remember my mom, um, just kind of like, she was, she was devastated. Like you, yeah. my parents had been married for over 20 years. They were best friends. They were soulmates. They met youngs around the same age. Mm-hmm. And my mom was left with four kids and Ugh you know, like one in college, thankfully my dad financially had a set like, well that, and I will tell you, yeah, everyone get your finances together because I can't imagine not. And I know there's so many women who don't have any, I mean, to, to grieve and try to pay all the bills and not have any time to be there for your kids. And Mm -hmm. it just, and I know a lot of people don't have that luxury. And I, I, in the book, I say therapy is expensive. Staying home with your kids is expensive. You have to be, you know, so it's, it's a good reminder um, that the financial side can really change how you grieve. Yeah. And a lot of people don't have those resources. So I, I never want to act like I, you have to be honest about that because to be able to stay home with your kids and grieve for two years is a financial privilege. Yeah. And I want to be clear that I had that. And that's not fair because not everybody does. A hundred percent. I mean, everybody goes 
some people go through things at different times in their lives. I mean, the people that I know on this planet that are have gone through the hardest things are the best people, in my opinion. The people sure. that I that I meet that go through, they're all like, you know, like life's so great. Like, where are we going this weekend? You know, yeah. like those are the douchey people that I'm like, you don't know what it's like. And this kind of misery and this pain changes you. And a lot of times it changes you, I believe, for the better. And, Always, and I think, if and, you so choose. If you so choose. I mean, mm-hmm. I will say the the loss that I've gone through has changed me. Sometimes like my dad, I don't, that's what I was going to touch on your kids and the trauma Mm. on your kids. Um, and also on top of that, just seeing him. Yeah. It was unfortunate. So what, so what I was going to say is, so year two, Mm -hmm. everybody kind of goes back to their life, all the friends, and then you're left in a, in this, in this, solo pain. And that makes sense why the grieving period really starts in the second year. I believe that. I do believe that. Um, I remember it just being so dark in our home, literally and figuratively, just so Mm -hmm. sad. We used to have such a happy house. We had people over all the time. We had couples over, we had kids over, and then nobody comes over. I don't want anyone to come over and nobody wants to come over. Without a man in the house, you're not going to have other men over you're a widow, you, you, you know, you, you look like shit, you're tired, you're scared. The nights are so tough with the kids. Um, there was a lot of times and I, I mean, there's a chapter in there and I, people were like, I can't believe you wrote about this, but you know, I just, I wanted to die and I, I wanted to take my kids with, I wanted all of us to go where he was. And I didn't know how we were going to get there. And so at some point I was really nervous. I was just like, I don't think I can do this. Like, I don't know that I can do it. And I'm pretty strong, but I had, I just didn't have the muscle for going through hard times. And I was like, this is too much. The kids were just sobbing every night and angry. And I was scared and I didn't know anything about anything. And so I told Jack, I said, do you ever just want to end it? He was like, but mom, what about all the positive affirmations you've been telling us? And what about how we're the lucky ones? And we just started dying laughing. I was like, I lied. Like we're so screwed. And when I finally said that, and like, instead of trying to make it better for my kids, I was like, we're screwed. We all got better because they were like, finally, like you've been trying to make it all okay. And it's, it's just not okay. And so we joked, I was like, well, I'm going to try to drown you guys in the tub. And they were like, you can't, cause there's a drought and you don't ever let us fill up enough water. And we just laughed about stuff. And, and I just remember there being this moment when we started to really tell the truth about how bad it was while holding it lightly with humor. Jack was like, what is your other idea? I was like, well, I was going to drive us into the garage, but then I decided like, we just remodeled it. So that would be just a waste of money, you know? And he was, and we just laughed and we told the truth. And then Jack said, you know, God, I, sometimes I want to end it. And, you know, we just, I don't know. It was just, we got really miserable. And for some reason with, with the hope of getting better, but we stayed in it. And everyone's like, how do you think you guys are doing better? And I was like, I don't think we bypassed any of the grief. I think we were really miserable for a while. And I respect that about you in that chapter in the book, because I think it's better to be honest about like, I mean, I talk about my own suicidal ideations sitting on a beach two years ago with my two little girls wondering Mm -hmm. how I was going to end it, you know? Right. And I openly talk about that because by you putting that out into the universe, it helps, it helps somebody that you never know who's going through 
what you went through. You know, mm. there's a lot of women that are dealing with the loss of their husbands and left with children. And it's a deep, deep, unbearable pain. Yeah. Or so, divorce or, or, or leaving, losing a house or a kid getting sick or someone with COVID. I mean, loss is loss. Loss. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a person. It has to be anything that you did not want to happen. That's yeah. loss. It's, I didn't want my life to look like this. I am mad and this is not what I wanted. And I don't want this to be my life. And I think we have to normalize that loss can, and I think divorce is devastating for people. Yeah. It just, I mean, you, that's what life's about. It's about, it's about evolving and changing. So I wanted to go more into like talking about where you are today, because I love, I love, love, love to hear stories of, you know, what are our choices in life? Right. Cause right. I, that's all I talked to. I talked to trauma victims. I'm, I'm one year into this podcast on October 11th. Very That's cool. my one year anniversary. Yeah. And, um, and I've talked to everyone from like somebody that was widowed like you to, to somebody whose whole family was shot up in shootings and mm -hmm. all kinds of different people. And the point is, and why I started this and why I talk to people like you is because it's what you decide to do. It's how you pick yourself up. So you, like you said a couple of minutes ago, you, you're amazed by the point that you were in such deep, dark pain, like talking about ending it and bringing your kids and then bringing humor into it, which is my favorite thing ever. Cause humor it's the only saves, thing you can do. Lighten yes, it. Humor Lighten it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So where are you now that you're, you wrote your book, you, so, you yeah. look like you're doing well. I mean, I'm sure you still, you, we talked about the middle of the night. You're still in dark, have your I, dark I, days. I don't have, you know, I, in all honesty, I don't have, the dark days aren't as dark anymore because I'm so, I've learned to navigate those moments in a way that in the beginning it felt like, and I, everyone says this about grief, but you know, it's just waves and the, the, the it, beginning years, it was like tsunami. I was like, I can't, but now like I almost look forward to them because they move me forward. So I'll be just, you know, obviously in the car, I talk to Nate a lot or when I'm home alone, but you get that moment, you do that ugly cry. That's just so ugly. Like, you know, and that, but it's quick yeah. now. It's like, it's like two minutes of just, Ugh! and then I'm like, Ooh, I'm back here. I remember before it would be like hours of me scratching my legs till they bleed and just dis disbelief. I think we underestimate the power of our brain to rewire our brain to not have that person end in every single story that we have. I don't think we should underestimate neuroplasticity that you can rewire from trauma. If you decide to go down a different path in your brain, you will literally rewire it. So whatever trauma you've had, whether it's death or abuse or violence, if you keep playing the same story, telling the same stories, sharing the same stories, and they all end in pain, your brain's just going to run that. But if you can somehow reframe that story to end in something good, what, whatever it might be, um, you can, you can move that, that brain pathway to create a whole new way of walking through the world. Um, but it takes work and it takes an awareness and a commitment to changing everything. Um, and I, it I, takes I'm, work. It, takes, it work. takes so much work and it takes an awareness of the words you say. And if you say, find yourself saying the same thing over and over again, it better be damn uplifting and kind and good because we all can easily get stuck on 
well, this happened and da 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 and I can, I, I can catch myself. And I did it early on. I'd be like, well, we're doing it. And my daughter was like, what the hell are you talking about? We're doing it. She's like, you say the same damn thing. She didn't say damn, she was nine. I would have, I would have been <laughs> fine with it if she had, but she didn't. Yeah. She was like, mom, like we're doing much more than doing it. Like, look at us. Like we lost the greatest person. We're doing, we're doing good. We're here. And so she just reminded me to just like, you decide the way you want to describe it. And if you want to describe it where it takes all the power from you and you want it to be this like God awful thing that you went through, or you can decide to talk about it with honesty, but with some control over the narrative, which is what happens after. So I always say you can't control anything, but you can survive everything. Well, because some people don't, you just don't have a choice on this planet. You I don't, talk well, about it a lot. You don't have I a mean, choice what that, happens to you, but you do have a choice how you share how you it deal with it, and yeah. how you share it and what words you use when you tell people about it. And what hit, you have to check in and go like, what, what do I want from this person? What emotion? Because we all want something from someone when we share. So is it an emotional like, oh my God, that's so hard. Or is it like, damn, you're awesome. Or is it laughter? Or what are we going for? And if we get addicted to, oh my God, then we tell a sad story. And before you know it, our life's fucking sad. Because we're walking around sharing sad stories all the time. And then the universe goes like, oh, well, I guess you want a sad story. Well, here's more sad. Here's more sad. Um, so you have to be careful how you speak of it. That's so, God, I could talk to you for like four hours. We could do like a freaking four hour podcast. I'm making just... all this up as I go, just so you know. <laughs> no, you're like a guru. I'm like, oh my God. Um, I, 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 I'm speechless. I'm never, ever, ever speechless. And I love everything about you and everything you're saying. What I do want to ask about is how your kids are doing today. They're exceptional. I mean, they're yeah. just little assholes, just like a 13 and 16 year old should be. And then they're yeah. also amazing. Um, my son is a, I don't know if you know Enneagram. He's a one. He's very like, um, my mm-hmm. son's like, well, dad's gone. It's time to get to work. Like he's up, mm-hmm. he's up tight. My daughter's 13 and she was angry. We struggle. We 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 have. We're doing so much better, but it was dicey the first three years between she and I because Nate was really her person. They were a lot alike. Um, I'm super uptight like Jack, so we 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 handle things similar. Um, Addison's very emotional, and I just don't know how to deal with that. So we've done tons of counseling, and the kids really don't want to linger in pain. Kids mm-hmm. want to know that I'm okay. And then I'm happy and they have a joyful home. And so that's been my North Star from the beginning because I, I, we, we all were clear we can't bring Nate back. So to, to wish that would just be a waste of energy. Um, we can feel sad about it. We can miss him. But to wish it was different is just we should put that energy towards where we're going. So the kids are, they're good. They miss their dad. We all miss them. But they're self-absorbed 13 and 16-year-olds, which is a beautiful thing to watch because they really care about what they're wearing, where they're going. And as long as I'm happy and they feel safe, I, I feel like kids can withstand a lot. Um, we all grieve differently. I talk about Nate all the time. I think every hummingbird is Nate. I think every sign of 11-11. And they're like, he's not always around. I'm like, he is for me. I don't know where you, he shows up for you, but we all grieve differently. Um, I talk about it way more than they would like. They do not want to read the book. They think that I'm insane. Um, and I'm okay with all of that. And you know, the kids are good. I, I don't know. Like we always say, I'll see in 20 years how it worked out. <laughs> you know, it's, but you sound like such an incredible mom. My mom, um, Pat, 
who listens to the podcast and I talk a lot about my mom, um, you know, she was your age when she lost my dad, same thing. Um, she didn't know. And back then we didn't, we didn't have the counsel. We didn't have the resources that we do today. We were thrown in counseling, my brother and I, and my sisters and, but my mom, um, got remarried really quickly because I can, I understand that too. Yeah. Some women are like, what, like, what do I do now? And my stepfather was a monster. Oh, and it's never um, good to go with the first person after that. I've learned because you're so, you're so needy. Like I remember, and I, I met a wonderful man, but he wasn't right for the long term. but I could see if financially you needed the help or spiritually you needed the help. You don't know how to operate without someone. So I have such grace for people that fall into it, but everybody I know is like, don't fall into it. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say everybody's different, right? There's like, I mean, even just to date when you were with somebody for so long and so in love, that's a whole weird thing, I'm sure. But yeah, like coming from a child that's mother remarried a monster, we call that there's a TV series called Dirty John. My stepfather was the original Dirty John. Does Pat know that he was a monster? Oh yeah. Like, okay. The way that their marriage, I mean, he was an abusive alcoholic. Well, oh, that's fun. That. That'll yeah, bring, that's that's was, fun after after good. leukemia. Let's just yeah, keep it going. It was, it was good times. It was good times. <laughs> wow, um, so much joy. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say that it's, I can tell that like your love and devotion to your kids and how important it is when you do meet somebody that you think about your children because you, your kids will... 20 years, you just talked about 20 years from now. I have gone through more therapy than I would care to think about what I've spent on it. Sure. And like now I'm even at the point where I'm talking about I'm doing EMDR. Like I'm oh, doing I did that too. Everything. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. I've done tapping, I've done float tanks, I've done ayahuasca, yeah. I've done I haven't done ayahuasca. I'm, I've done plant journeys. I've done it all. Yeah, you do because you're doing the work and that's what Mm -hmm. I'm saying. So I can tell as a mother, just talking to you for this short amount of time, that that's what everybody's journey is different. And Mm -hmm. that's what we have to do as people and think about, you know, your kids. And it sounds like you've done a really exceptional job with what you've been handed. Yeah. And I think too, what I learned early on, I talk about this a lot when I do book events is that I'm not responsible for fixing my kids. They mm-hmm. chose this just like I did on some spiritual universe before we came down. Like my job it's isn't true. to make this better. I can't make it better. I can't bring them their dad back. And that's been really freeing for me. And we talk about mothers and just, I, I, I talk to a lot of women that are just really overly involved in their kid's life and happiness. And the gift of watching my kids go through something that I couldn't fix has freed me up to not try to fix anything in their lives. So if they get on a bad AYSO team, deal with it because I've watched what they've become by getting through this without me meddling. And the, the dream of watching your kids come through a storm, whether it's grief or something they didn't want or a teacher that doesn't like them and you just sit supporting them and not getting involved is so beautiful because they you see them grow up and we are really handicapping our kids because we have too much time and too much involvement because of phones and emails and just lack of, lack of ability to watch our kids be uncomfortable. But when your husband dies in front of them, they're uncomfortable and you can't fix it. So you really learn how to sink into how miserable that is. And now their uncomfortableness doesn't cue me the way it cues a lot of other mothers. Like, oh, you forgot your iPad? Well, that's life's a bitch. 
like, I'm definitely not bringing it because you'll never learn the lesson. Um, and that has been, everyone's like, God, you spend so much time in meditation and relaxing and you're not worried about the kids' rides. I'm like, hmm, nope, they're, they're, they're very capable. Um, I've seen them. They're amazing kids. And so I'm going to let them live this life and I'm going to actually work on mine. And, you know, my job isn't to make life perfect for them. Not even close. I love that. I think it's so important for parents to hear because we live in, we live in a time where it's like parents cater to like, so everything for their kids. And, and it's not for the kids. It's for them. The parent can't deal with yeah. the kid being on, or they can't deal with their kid not winning because it's a reflection on them. It's not really for the kids. Cause if you ask the kids, they'd like you to chill out and be happier. Nobody wants an over-involved, over-stressed out, over-knick-knacky mother. No kid wants that. So if you think oh, they no. do, you're wrong. I, I feel like maybe, were you at my house this morning? Were you knick-knacking? Were you over? I was nick I, I was knick-knacking. I used morning. to be, but I'm too tired. I'm meditating all day. I don't have time for I that. need to mm. start meditating. I just like, I I'm like, I'm just, I put myself first. And I think our mothers did too. Like, I don't know when this generation got it twisted, but- I just know my kids want me to be happy mm-hmm. and the rest they can figure out. I mean, I'm a good mom. I mean, I, I feed them not often. I don't make <laughs> dinner. I don't make dinner. I mean, I'm not like that. Um, I don't either. Thank God. I have never DoorDash. made dinner in four years. I'm like, that died with your father. That do, tradition do you, is gone. Do you do DoorDash? Yes, I do. Yeah, Yes, too. I do. And do I feel bad about it? I do. Do I stop? Nope. Because I don't, I like a cheese quesadilla and an apple for dinner and my kids, that doesn't work for them. So that's like one, that's the splurge I do is that I just, I don't want to cook for the three of us. It's so depressing. I, I'm a vegetarian. My daughter's picky. She likes fine food and my son likes meat. I'm not going to cook. Like that's not going to happen. Eat a lot of Chipotle. A lot of Chipotle. Just so you know, um, we, I'm, I'm the pickiest eater and my, my husband is the cook. And I've tried to cook stuff for it's, my family and, and they won't let me cook. Like I no. burn pasta. So yeah. that's part of the reason why we're, I'm addicted to DoorDash, but he's not happy when I. No, it's outrageously it ridiculous. Time. Yeah. So I just want to tell you, um, where can people, I know that I ordered your book yes. on Amazon, but so yep. ta- let's talk about your book right now and where people can get it. Besides just, is it just available on Amazon? It's called the second, it's called it's, second half. Yep. So it's second half, surviving loss and finding magic in the missing. I do believe there's magic. Um, you can go to the website, which is just www.secondhalfbook.com. You can purchase it right from there. It'll take you to tar- it'll take you to Amazon, which is the easiest. You'll get it the next mm-hmm. day. Um, or you can get it at Target or Barnes and Noble. Um, you can follow me on Kelsey D. Chittick on Instagram, Kelsey Chittick on Facebook. And there's links on all of those. Um, but you just put in second half, Kelsey, and there it'll pop up. For $12.95, you can read a heartbreakingly, sometimes funny story. I think that, first of all, I also love, do you know, I have a ton of guests that come on and their sign is the hummingbird. Everyone's so, is because they're so cool. And they, they're so cool. Well, they they also are supposed to be, they say that they're a sign that your angel's with you. Mine's the butterfly. Um, something always flying. No one's like, a cow is my like, sign. It's never a cow. It's always <laughs> like, it's always something that you're walking by. And it, of course, it's anything that makes you believe. Like it's just, a butterfly is beautiful. A hummingbird's beautiful. It's simple. It's gorgeous. It floats. It's like, that's gotta be something bigger than this. 
I love too that you talk to your husband because um, I talk I talk to my I don't talk to my dad. It's like a weird thing that and I'm I'm learning this in EMDR. I've I've blocked out my memories. Um, so that's how that's why I did yeah. mushroom journey because I couldn't remember the flight. I didn't oh. remember where I was. So I think trauma is whenever you go like I know that happened, but I have no recollection of it. For yeah. me, that was the cue that I had trauma from getting the call and the flight. Yeah. And so I had to go back because the body will store it until you deal with it. Uh-huh. And I 100%. was like, let's not, let's not store this, please. Yeah. So the mushroom journey enabled me to kind of turn off my ego and my conscious brain and really tap into what I had experienced and feel it all again, but in a safe spot. And I a hundred percent am trying to do that right now. It's a scary, it's a scary thing knowing Mm -hmm. like walking in to know that you're going to have to remember those things but I don't know if you're this way it sounds like you are a a past that are more evolved in your grieving but whenever I watch a really sad movie like say somebody passes away my husband and I watched Field of Dreams Mm. a couple weeks ago and I hadn't seen it since I was a kid and at the end the dad passes away and he comes back and he talks to mm-hmm. uh, his, uh, Kevin, what's Costner. his name? Kev- Sorry, I love him. How did I forget that? Kevin Costner's character. And I legitimately, mm-hmm. I lost it. I yeah. broke down. I, ha- I went and locked myself in the bathroom and I just lost it. I cried and I got really angry at Ron, my husband. And I was like, you knew this was going to happen. You know, I can't handle this. And this is, you know, 20 years after my last well, you, you became You became 12 in that moment. Exactly. And then you started yeah. yelling at your husband, like he had anything to do with it. Like totally. you didn't have agency on your own to watch the movie. No, no. But you, yeah, we, we, you started to be like a teenage kid. Like yeah, I didn't, no, you wound, told me you should Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's your my wounded, wounded inner, inner child named Sheila. Yeah. Um, that comes out. And she also comes out at bars and um, when I drink too much, her name's That's, Sheila. So, you know, I don't drink anymore really because uh, for me, alcohol is a depressant and it brings yeah. everything up, but you're not in a safe spot to bring it up. I agree. I mean, I talk about it openly that I lean too much on alcohol um, and it's something. Yeah. I'm I mean, I think our whole on. country does. And so what you yeah. do is you think you're numbing it, but what happens is, it is it's fun until it isn't. And then it's a disaster. So I don't do that anymore because it just, um, it doesn't serve me on any level. Um, I do drink red wine, but I don't get that like tequila drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Or that like hit with a vodka drink. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, because I had too many parties where I was just that girl. And I was like, and also, I mean, just going through the loss, the losses, leaning on alcohol and all of that stuff is it's, Mm -hmm. it's a bandaid. And eventually the, eventually the wounds are going to erupt like a volcano and you're not going to be able to push it down. Um, I just want to tell you, I'm so glad that we live close to each other because I might be start doing drive-bys of your house and find your address and stop you. Cause I think we'll go to break. We'll get coffee or something with Malia. I would love Let's that. get a group think, of trauma people together. Yeah. That sounds like a party. <laughs> I know, Malia too. I just think you're an absolutely incredible person. I hope that people listen to this podcast and they go out and purchase your book. Me too. I have um, a friend of a friend that 
just lost her husband and I'm going to put you in touch with her because I think you would. I think there's a bunch of people. I mean, I know quite a few widows in Manhattan Beach. It seems to be, we're at the age. We're at the age. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. It's not um, easy for this person. And I I know how painful it must be. But I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think you're incredible. And in closing, keep living, keep praying, and keep growing. lot about how much therapy saved my life and how lucky I am to have my amazing therapist, Dr. Nay. But not everybody can get an appointment with Dr. Nay. And I really wanted to break the stigma on getting help or asking for help. So that is why I partnered with a company called online-therapy.com. They have plans that start around $30 a week and you can get weekly therapy sessions for less than $50 a week. You can also get my 20% off code by going to my website, judgingmegan.com, and you go to the therapy tab. And if you click on the link at the bottom, you can get 20% off your first month.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.